Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we'll spend our time in verses 26 through 42 of the 14th chapter in Mark. Have you ever sworn something like, well, I will never do such and such, and then done it? That's what can happen when we rely on our own strength as fallen human beings. Sometimes we make statements like this because of strong emotions in the moment, or we really do think that we alone have the power to overcome our own inherent weakness in especially difficult circumstances. Well, before we start throwing stones at Peter for the failure we'll begin to look at this week, we should realize we are made of the same stuff and possess all the same weakness. The good news is, as believers in Christ, we don't ever have to rely on our own strength to stand in difficult times. We can lean into his strength. And when we do fail in this way, as we all have, the better news is, Jesus won't let us fall into a place that we deserve, where there is no hope. He sustains us. Here is today's segment of the sermon entitled, Dismal Night for the Disciples. Please join me in Mark chapter 14. And as we continue in Mark's record of these final days, and we're actually on the final day before the cross, there's a lot recorded in the four Gospels. And it's kind of like, as you go from week to week, like watching a serial television program. We pick up right where we left off. The characters for our venue this morning are the same ones we've seen. We're going to see Jesus, and he's going to have with him the 11 remaining disciples who stayed with him after, Jesus's, after Judas's exit from the Passover meal. Later, just as we get to the end of this passage, what we'll see next time, they're going to encounter Judas and a mob who come to arrest Jesus. The scene is going to be actually two different places. It's Thursday night of Passion Week. The Passover meal has just been concluded, and Jesus is about to lead the eleven to a garden called Gethsemane at the foot of the Mount of Olives, right outside of the city of Jerusalem. The storyline that we're picking up Remember, just the day before this, or maybe two days before this, depending on how you reckon the days of that week, probably in the wee hours of the morning, Judas Iscariot had met in secret with the Sanhedrin. That's the high council of the Jews, if you will, and Rome allowed them to have a certain amount of autonomy over the affairs of the, of the Jews. Judas met with them, and for the paltry sum of 30 pieces of silver, He volunteered to betray Jesus in a setting outside of the public eye so that they could arrest him and finally get to the plan they'd been working on for over a year, kill Jesus. Well, the Sanhedrin had wanted to wait until the crowds thinned out after the Passover and the seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread, but 
They couldn't resist the opportunity presented by Judas. Now with Judas on their side, serving as a mole in the inner circle of disciples, they could be sure that they would have a chance now to seize Jesus in a situation that would avoid the riot that they feared would happen if they tried to arrest him out in the open. In the providence of God then, this arrest, this trial, and this crucifixion were going to happen precisely on the timetable that was determined by Jesus and His Father. The timetable of these wicked men who in their religious hypocrisy wanted to kill their Savior, their timetable didn't matter at all. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was going to be crucified on the Passover at precisely the time for the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. Now, once the sacrifice, or once the Sanhedrin, I should say, had decided that it was time to actually put the plan into action and to murder Jesus, the first step was the arrangement that they made with Judas to make sure that the death of Jesus was not now going to be put off any longer. The next wrinkle in the unfolding of these events, we've seen over about our last three visits to Mark, we saw how Jesus kept secret from Judas the exact location of the Passover meal in advance. Why would he do that? Well, had Judas known in advance, that would have been the very best opportunity for the Sanhedrin to arrest him. It would have taken place at night, would have been in a private home, it would have been totally out of the public eye. It's just what they wanted. That would have been the most logical thing, and of course, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew what was in the heart of, Ju- of Judas, and so um, he kept the location from Judas until after they all arrive. You can go back and review that if you want to. This overarching lesson that keeps looming in all of these passages that have to do with these days leading up to the crucifixion is that the will of God is always done according to the timing of God. There is absolutely nothing on your things to worry about list for today that you need to worry about. God has it under control. Now, I don't mean don't plan. I don't mean that, you know, it's it's awful if you feel a little bit um, overwrought with all of the things that you might be doing in in the holiday season. But understand, God is sovereign. He is in complete control. Nothing in your life is outside of His care, and nothing in your life is worthy of sinful worry. Just put it in God's hands, be faithful, and you will watch His plan work out. Now, during that Passover meal, Jesus had let all of the disciples know that one of them was going to betray Him. Now, Judas's hypocrisy was so polished that none of the others suspected him any more than they suspected themselves. What might they have been thinking when they said, is it I, Lord? I mean, they weren't going to intentionally sell him out like Judas did. The others were probably thinking, oh no, 
might I have said something inadvertent? Might I have tipped somebody off where we're going? Could I I be responsible for Jesus being arrested? Well, only Judas and Jesus knew that it was going to be Judas's willful act. Well, once Jesus let Judas know that he knew what Judas was planning, that was when Judas left the gathering around the table. He did it on the pretense of running an errand that Jesus sent him on. And apparently what Judas did is he ran across town to the Sanhedrin to let them know that he knew where they were going next. John 18 tells us that Judas knew it was Jesus' custom to take them to the Garden of Gethsemane when they were around Jerusalem, and it was nighttime, and that was a place of quiet, and they could pray there. Jesus could, uh, could pray there anyway. Um, or maybe Jesus even told them that after this we'll go to the, to the Garden. Anyway, Judas knew by that time. Well, that's where we left off last time. It was the end of the Passover meal. So we'll overlap one verse with last week. It says in Mark 14, 26, After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That describes the typical, traditional end of the Passover meal, the singing of a hymn. As a matter of fact, the the Greek word is actually a verb, humneo. Our word hymn comes from it. Why do we have a silent N on the end of him? Because the Greek word is, would be H-U-M-N-E-O. There's a silent N that we inherited from another language, so blame it on the Greeks. Well, that's where the word comes from, and it's actually not they sang a hymn. It's, it's a verb in Greek. It's literally, after having hymned, they went out to the Mount of Olives. What were they hymning? Well... We told you last time, the Hallel, the collection of psalms that are called the the praise songs that were always sung in conjunction with the Passover, Psalms 113 through 118. And at the end, they may have sung Psalm 115, 16, 17, and 18 to close that Passover meal. Now, what you can't see in Mark is something very significant. Between verses 25 and 26, when they'd finished the meal and they sang that hymn and went out, there's something very significant that Mark didn't record, but the Apostle John did. Everything that is included in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 fits chronologically in the white space between Mark 14, 25 and Mark 14, 26. It becomes very obvious from our perspective why Jesus prevented Judas from knowing where this place was so that Judas couldn't do his evil deed during that meal. It was going to be around that table at that meal that night that Jesus delivered some of the most precious words and some of the most magnificent promises in all the Bible. He was telling them, in advance about the age in which we live, after He would go to the cross, after He would um, rise from the dead, after He would ascend to the Father, after He would send the the Holy Spirit to um, empower His people. It was about the the hatred of the world that they could expect. It's it's precious stuff. And if, if you want a blessing, go home today and read John 14, 15, 16, and 17. 
As a matter of fact, that offer stands anytime. You'll always be blessed as you read those chapters. John includes a lot more teaching than the other uh, Gospels do, less action, more instruction. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.